people are so quick to want to euthanize instead of socialize. We're trying to reduce the euthanization rate by 50% in the world, and it's not going to happen. Every dog is going to be lured with pure treats, and you know they're going to have to make corrections on dogs. And even with horses, like they use reins, and you control the animal with leverage. Sometimes, in certain cases, not all dogs even need a collar, but certain dogs do, and sometimes it's for the safety of the handler. But People don't understand that they're just dog lovers. A lot of times there's this huge culture of dog people who love dogs, but they don't really understand that the fact that they're predatory animals and that they will bite you. And they think their dog can do no wrong. Whereas like you see little kids who have scars on their face because they were bitten, they're, you know, they're forever they're going to be fearful of animals because of neglect or because of ignorance. And really, I'm here to just shine a light on that ignorance. And I'm not afraid to step up to the plate. In a world of career uncertainty, there is one variable you have total control over, yourself. Welcome to Forever Employable Stories, where expert digital transformation consultant and successful entrepreneur Jeff Gotthelf will share conversations with unique and inspiring individuals who have taken charge of their professional lives, leveraged their expertise, built an audience, and future-proofed their careers so you can learn how to do the same. Here's your host, Jeff Gotthelf. One of the things I try to do with Forever Employable Stories is to find folks who come from industries and professions that don't seem like they would be conducive to becoming Forever Employable. Joss Leverett is a perfect example of that. He's a dog trainer. He's a very good dog trainer, and he's a dog training company in California. He's also the star of his own Netflix show, Canine Interventions. In our conversation, Josh shares how he developed his love of dogs and for training dogs and how he built his business and why he chose to grow that business into more than just a brand for his company, but a personal brand, which ended up with his show on Netflix. Take a listen. Hey, folks. Welcome to another episode of Forever Employable Stories. I have to tell you, super excited about this episode. My kids and I were watching Netflix a few weeks ago and came across a show called Canine Interventions. And we're watching the host and he's doing these amazing transformations on these dogs. And it dawned on me that he would make a tremendous guest for our next Forever Employable Story. So I'm super excited to have Joss Leverett with us today. Joss, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So before we get started, Give the folks a little bit of background about yourself, just who you are, where you live, the kind of business that you're in right now. Yeah, my name is Josh Leverett. I uh, grew up here in Oakland, California, you know, played sports my whole life, but also always had a passion for animals. That was kind of like what kept me focused. because I was kind of a, a busybody child all over the place. Could be a, a little bit of a, a problem student <laughs> because I was just uh, not engaged by much, very hyperactive and but the animals kind of always had my attention. Uh, I read books about animals and, and really got into just having, you know, dogs. I had, you know, my mom allowed me to have dogs and, you know, training with horses and, and all of these different things. You know, growing up taught me a lot of just about animals and uh, started training a dog that I had when I was first. My first dogs were when I first came home from the hospital. My, my mom and dad had a contracting business where they had uh, dogs in the car protecting the tools. So right off the bat, you know, my father had his dogs, my mom had dogs, my grandmother was a bulldog breeder. So, I mean, it's just dogs, dogs, dogs all around. But I had my own passion for dogs. 
you know, long story short, I had, you know, a couple of dogs growing up, some rescues. I had some issues. We ended up giving them those rescues back because they would just always bolt every time we opened the door. So they had their own set of behavior issues. But then I ended up getting a couple of pit bulls and the pit bulls were cool. And I actually went into formal training, training with some local trainers in Oakland. And I had my third pit bull that was actually a uh, come from like game lines. So he was a little bit on the dog aggressive side. So he you know, had his couple run-ins with other dogs and uh, I learned some lessons. And I ended up having to put my dog to sleep because he was an aggressive dog. I always had a passion for working dogs. I was exposed to that at a young age. You know, I had this pit bull, but I learned about protection training, got exposed to that. So then I ended up, you know, those, those pits kind of came and went. And, you know, I ended up getting a little older, playing sports in school and stuff like that. Finished school, went to school for aviation and then ended up getting into the medical cannabis business. And with the can- medical cannabis business, of course, there's a commodity, you know, you, you know, you have security issues, but then you're also dealing with something that's federally illegal. So you don't want to be messing with law enforcement. So I kind of went into dogs as an alternative security and learned about training protection dogs, the same passion I had since a kid. I was like, oh, now it's the time for I can learn. So I worked with some mentors, learned from those mentors, basically fell in love with the whole art of dog training, started working with other trainers kind of gave up the medical cannabis and started going full throttle into the dogs because I just didn't want to be in that kind of volatile area at the time. At the time, it was like 05, 06, 07. So it was like way before it was way, you know, highly accepted all over the world like it is today. I uh, took a job because I had not such a great run with the cannabis and ended up having to uh, liquidate that business and going to work with uh, one of my football coaches from high school. And uh, when I went up to Washington State to go work for him, I took my dogs and my, my passion for training and I found another training club and basically started working with a couple of other dog trainers. I ended up meeting a mentor who t- took me under his wing. He was like a 70-year-old guy, a 765-year-old guy at the time. And he kind of just like, hey, I'll show you this business, you know. And, you know, some people, they train for trophies and we train to pay the bills, you know. So I actually learned how to really make money doing the business. Versus a lot of my counterparts, they all do it. You know, a lot of a lot of them want to focus on competing and trying to be like, who's the best and who's get the best points. And I'm like, who can make the most money? Like, who can help the most people? So that's what it was. It was like really me helping people because of the, the high caliber of training we were doing, which is like police dog type of training, working on this really high caliber sport of, called Schutzen. At the time, they've kind of switched the name up into IGP. They kind of try to take all of the... The fact is dogs are biting, but they want to make it sound like it's a big game and they don't want to sound like, oh, we're making biting dogs or doing anything. Because basically there's just a there's a big movement in uh, the world for like, you know, all the ethical treatment of animals, which is totally, you know, all good. You know, we're all about that, you know, but sometimes people aren't training properly or they're just using tools not correctly. You know, there's tools out there, but with any tool, you can have a hammer to bang a nail and you can have a, a hammer to commit a, a crime and <laughs> bash somebody's head in if you want to, right? So it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, like I said, I learned the business, started a business in San Jose. Well, I came back from Washington State with this new set of skills and figured I wanted to start this business because I got laid off. The recession just happened. That the job that I took, you know, had to let me go. So I just said, all right, cool. I'm just going to start this business and start helping people with the, with the, the, the knowledge that my mentor taught me. And uh, basically just, you know, built my brand from there and just basically started off right from the park. 
And I would just help people, you know, I was almost like an ambulance chaser. Like, we all see dog fights and I, you know, jump on the dog fight, help somebody stop the fight and then tell them, hey, I can help you fix this. You know, basically built a reputation for being able to train any dog in the Silicon Valley area. Bit by bit, I just would reinvest my money that I'd make and work on building my business. I built it mostly through social media, buying uh, just organic stuff, everything. I, you know, buying shirts so people could see, buying banners, going to trade shows, going to all these things to kind of get my name out there. And 10 years later, you know, I always had it in my mind. You know, I worked with several celebrities. I mean, some of my clientele include like Kevin Hart, Marshawn Lynch, Steph Curry, Robert Perra, who owns, you know, a, a basketball team and, and a big IT company. Basically, I just, you know, part entrepreneur, part dog trainer, just created a kind of dominance in my space in the Bay Area. You know, long story short, it ended up getting me a show and we're still doing it. Amazing. It's a super interesting story. And the hustle is clear there. The fact that you're, you're doing what you can to build your brand. I'm curious, what made you realize or, or when did you realize, how did you realize that this could be bigger than just a dog training business? Because clearly there's much more to it than just dog training. Like, what gave you the sense that we could do a lot more than this than just dog training? When I was in the medical cannabis space, you know, I went to look out. I'm also into muscle cars and building, building, you know, muscle cars, a by Chevelles and Camaros, stuff like that from the, from the 60s and 70s. And I went to go look at a car. And when I went and looked at a car to this guy who had a car shop, I was talking to him about buying this Chevelle that he had, but he also had all these German Shepherds walking around. And at the time I was like, you know, in the cannabis space and I had pit bulls, but I was like, man, I probably could use one of these big German shepherds. So I basically, uh, he, she actually exposed me to the fact that these German shepherds were selling for like thirty, forty $40,000, you know, fully trained. So I said, what? I, I didn't realize that. And they speak in German to him. And I just said, wow, like, you know, here I am in a space where I'm like, eh, it's a little bit of a volatile space. It's a little bit sketchy, you know, and I love dogs, you know, let's explore this. So I bought a German shepherd. He has some red paint on him. And so I named him Camaro, you know, and that was the first dog that I actually bought. And then later on ended up training and selling. So I've sold him for like six, seven grand, which was great for me. Cause I mean, here is a dog that I bought for, you know, less than a thousand bucks. And I was able to, you know, t- train this dog and turn a profit from there. It just, you know, I just kept building my business. I just kept going, kept going, kept going and training a lot of dogs using that same knowledge that I have from working with the high level protection dogs, but being able to help all dogs just because of my understanding of behavior. Super interesting. You know, when I was looking at your site and I was trying to get a better sense of everything that you're doing on your site, you've got online training videos, you have a newsletter, you have a community that folks can sign up for. Why do all that? Why provide all of that? In today's age, basically, you know, we need to, uh, you know, maximize all opportunities. And, you know, when you have a newsletter, you can capture emails, get value, you know, get get emails so you can, you know, nurture those email relationships and hopefully build clientele from it. And um, when it comes to community, that's just, you know, a lot of times people aren't just ready to just buy right away. They want to know who they're buying from. They want to do your due diligence. So making social content and doing all these things creates, you know, uh, reputation and, and credibility. Pretty much what I do, just try to do, do as much as I can to make people feel comfortable being a client. You know, it's, it's super interesting. You know, I come from the tech world and the folks that I see doing this in the tech world always talk about newsletters and building that. But it's really interesting to hear you say that this is clearly a tool that it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what the subject is, as long as there's a community around it and a set of folks who are interested in a particular topic, you can build that community, you can build that conversation. 
And then ultimately, you can develop a business from that as well and grow that business. And what's fascinating about your business is that as you've been telling the story, it's grown from an idea to a dog to seeing people and helping out. And then you make a transition to TV, which is where I discovered you on Netflix, which is super exciting. How did that happen? Talk about the, like the, the transition to TV. How did you make the transition to TV? Well, it was always kind of in my game plan, whether I was going to do it through YouTube or create some kind of show. My, my thing is I shot a couple of sizzle reels before, one that didn't really get picked up. And then I, I hooked up with a Basically, I was taking care of one of my, my celebrity clients in Los Angeles and uh, one of his friends who was doing art for him, painting and things like that. She says, hey, you know, she, she kind of saw my charisma. She saw how I interacted with the animals. She saw the training. She was blown away by it. She said, hey, would you be interested in doing a TV show? So she introduced me to her fiance at the time. We hit it off pretty good. And I just went down to the production studio or to the production company. They said, yeah, we like him. Let's sign him. Let's shoot a sizzle. So basically a sizzle reel is like a, a teaser for the show uh, to try to shop it to the other networks. And basically we shot a sizzle and it, it didn't really get picked up for a while. And I thought I was actually going to get out of that contract because I actually had it somewhere else. I was going to actually take my skills to, but I was already in contract. So I went ahead and went with it. We ended up getting picked up by Netflix and they were interested in the project. So then we, uh, you know, we hooked up with the whole production team and we uh, moved forward with the whole process, you know, basically shot it. And right the last day of the shoot, COVID happened. So we had to do all the editing remotely. And But we were able to put together a nice project. You know, uh, my, my director was great. as really telling our story. She allowed me to stay organic. I was very passionate about staying organic and not being your, your typical cliche reality show. You know, we wanted to make it more of a documentary style versus like a reality show, you know. And I think she was doing, she was pretty good at kind of getting that message across using pretty good cameras and being able to uh, really tap into the, the heart and emotion of people, dogs. Yeah, it looks, it looks great. And it does definitely come off with that documentary feel, which is super cool. So just, just out of curiosity, like, what's it like making a TV show? What's the best part of making a TV show? Well, the thing is, is that when you're making a TV show, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, I spent, I actually made my own reality show in 2009. I made three episodes with my, my editor, who's here actually right now. And we shot a day in the life of Cali Canine. So we went to these three different stores, you know, three different stores. We kind of jumped around and we, we just never really pushed it. We just put it on YouTube and it was kind of like just something that if someone looked at Cali Canine and go to my YouTube channel, they'd be able to watch it and fall in love with the whole process. So just like now, people watch it and they say, oh man, I love your show. Now I want to do your online training, which is a, a real smaller version of that. Now it's like, you know, a lot of more eyes on it now, of course. Yeah, I was just, I was already kind of used to being on camera and talking to the camera. So it was really nothing really new. I just, I just did it. I'm pretty naturally comfortable with just public speaking and camera work and talking to people. So it's pretty much all we did, you know, just having three cameras and a, and a sound guy and a light guy and a director. and. <laughs> a bunch of uh, staff to support. But other than that, I was pretty much already comfortable doing it. So it was just a matter of just wanting to get my story out there. Right on. What's your favorite part of making the TV show? It was all pretty fun. You know, it was just knowing that I'm getting my message out there and knowing I can be myself. You know, a lot of times, you know, actors are actually acting, being somebody else. You know, a lot of times in, in film, a lot of people, they want you to, the network wants you to be a certain way. And one cool thing about working with Netflix is they allowed to be a little bit more raw. It was just, I was allowed to be organic. So I was, that, was, that was the main part. You know, I just wanted to be able to like rep my brand and know that it was going to be a huge, a huge opportunity for me 
being that uh, so many people were going to see me. So I was just looking at it as a big time uh, marketing play and, and as a just exposure. You know, I mean, I've been doing the same work. It's nothing different than I've been doing this whole time. It's just now we put on TV. That's excellent. And look, the authenticity comes through, right? So that's what makes the connection with folks who watch the show. So we, while we continue to watch the show, right? There's, there's an infinite number of choices on Netflix every night. And you can just sit there and just flip through the little previews all day long. But the charisma and the authenticity shines through. And it's, and it's important, I think, when you're making this kind of content to be yourself and to be authentic because it does shine through. Now, I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. And this one's, this one's interesting to me because I think a lot of folks who are working to build a personal brand or are looking to, to take their passion, their expertise, and turn it into something more, they fear other people naysaying them, like poo-pooing their idea, you know, and just saying, look, you don't know what you're talking about or you're doing it wrong or whatever it is. And in kind of prepping for this interview, there are some folks who have actively said they don't like your methods and have not been shy necessarily about sharing their opinions. And so when people see that, that's inevitable, right? You're never going to please 100% of the people all the time, right? And so you believe in yourself, you believe in your work. What advice do you have for people who may say your work? Or what have you done to kind of deal with the folks who maybe don't like what you're doing or, or critique it? Well, I mean, since I started the, the business, I mean, me being a young Af- African-American kid coming into Silicon Valley, making this name for myself, having this flashy, obedient style and being doing the protection, people don't understand the art. You know, they just, a lot of it is kind of over their head. And what happens is they just, you know, they, if I don't join their organization or do it the way that they do it, you know, I didn't go to the school that they went to, then obviously, you know, then then to them, it's not right. And you can put a thousand dogs in front of me and I'll train all a thousand and I'll guarantee that those same people will have to walk away from half of the dogs that I train. So I really don't worry about it. I know I'm an expert at what I do. I know I've changed lives, tens of thousands of lives. This is nothing overnight. This is nothing that was done for entertainment. I've built great, long lasting, you know, forever relationships with my clients who have changed their lives. I have a background in horses. I have a background in understanding. My, my, my understanding for animals is so much deeper than what a textbook could ever teach you, you know? And I think that a lot of people are, you know, jealous or they just don't like you. People won't like you, you know, I was being, guys didn't like me in fifth grade because I had the pretty girl in school. I mean, that's just what it was, you know? It's just, there's be those kind of people. So you just have to believe in yourself, make sure that you know, you know, I mean, I can, I can talk dog training with the best of them. As far as I'm concerned, like, the people that I learned from are the Ferrari and Lamborghini mechanics. They're not working on your average everyday commuter cars. You know what I mean? It's just a whole nother level. So if you can't talk that talk with me, if you can't go in there and turn around a whole police department, if you can't go in there and train, you know, an aggressive Rottweiler or pit bull that's taking out people and trying to, people are so quick to want to euthanize instead of socialize. You're trying to reduce the euthanization rate by 50% in the world. And it's not going to happen. Every dog is going to be lured with, pure treats and you know they're going to have to make corrections on dogs and even with horses like they use reins and you control the animal with leverage sometimes in certain cases not all dogs even need a collar but certain dogs do and sometimes it's for the safety of the handler but people don't understand that they're just dog lovers a lot of times there's this huge culture of dog people who love dogs but they don't really understand that the fact that they're predatory animals and that they will bite you and they think their dog can do no wrong. Whereas like you see little kids who have scars on their face because they were bitten, they're, you know, they're forever going to be fearful of animals because of neglect or because of ignorance. 
And really, I'm here to just shine a light on that ignorance. And I'm not afraid to step up to the plate. Netflix didn't make me. I'm a self-made guy. So, you know, whether I have a TV show or not, I'm going to keep on going. My content will still go. And I'm going to continue to help people. And again, a lot of times, you know, they try to cancel my show before it even came out. So they didn't even give it an opportunity. They just, you know, people saw, oh, there's a band. Oh, he's got to be bad. Oh, you know, he's, you know, and I'm representing for my culture. I came on there, young black guy, gold chains, tattoos. I mean, that, this is this is what a lot of times America's fears. I mean, in America, we have this whole thing about the, you know, the police killing, the, you know, uh, young black men left and right. You know, and I'm representing, I'm trying to change the narrative, but I'm not going to change how I look to please others. You know, I'm doing it my way. I know my way is the right way and I'm very confident in our abilities. I've helped so many people. I take, I teach so many people. I help so many families and I allow dogs to survive, you know, and if they don't like it, oh, well, I mean, I know my life, I know, I know my work is good. So you can't pay attention to all the naysayers, man. There's always going to be hate. People who don't want to jump off the porch and make it happen. People who are doing too much aiming before shooting. You know, for me, I just kind of start shooting. But I also knew that, you know, some of the people I learned from our dog PhDs, you know, their dog behavior PhDs and psychology PhDs. So they're not coming. I'm not living. You know, I didn't learn from dummies. You know, I learned from some of the best to do it. So for me, I don't really get caught up in it. I just continue to move forward. Good for you, man. And look, I think you said something really powerful, which is when somebody becomes visible and highly successful, obviously the critique spikes. Everybody thinks you're an overnight success. I didn't hear about him yesterday. But now I know about them, right? But the reality is, is you've been doing this for years, years and years and years. That's 12 years doing this every day. I mean, thousands and thousands of dogs. I have a whole team of trainers and I have a whole team of clients. And just, you know what I mean? There's just so many dogs that I've worked with. So it's kind of even hard to even pay it any mind because I know what I've done to, to build this. But, you know, if you're weak, people will, you know, take you down and make you not follow your dreams. But I'm a very persistent person. I'm very... uh strong will. So, I mean, you know, none of that stuff has really affected me. I mean, I addressed the petition, but I don't spend too much time pondering over what they're thinking about me because I know what I'm doing for the world. Amazing. Amazing. And you're doing amazing stuff. Charles Leverett, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, your your forever employable story. I was thrilled to chat with you. Best of luck to you. And I can't wait to see what you do next. All right. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Jeff. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of Forever Employable Stories. If you enjoyed the show and learned something new, tell a friend. The best way you can help us grow is to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and send this episode to someone you think can benefit from it. As always, feel free to reach out and connect on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Do you know someone who has a great Forever Employable story? Someone who has built a platform and an audience using their unique skills and experience? If so... I want to talk to them. Send me a note at jeff at gothealth.co and let me know.